Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Welcome to the Athletic MBA Show on the Athletic Podcast Network. Welcome to Tampering. We're this beautiful game of basketball that we all love and talk about every single day. Sam Amy. Uh-huh. uh-huh. To be able to bring uh-huh. people together. What do, baby? Reportedly at the center of an NBA investigation. Into tampering accusations. And the message to executives in the league is stop talking about players on other teams. What did I do? And the charges filed. Impermissible contact. Is right or wrong? Tampering charges are really difficult to prove. You know me, I talk. It's <laughs> <laughs> awkward to even talk about it. I can't even mention teams anymore. That's what I like to play with Kevin Durant. The trial, you're one with tampering. They're always ahead of the rules. It's not rocket science. I tamper with the guys. I didn't tamper. I'm just telling you what happened. I'm just telling you what happened. Hello and welcome to a non-Sam Amick edition of the Tampering Podcast. He has been suspended for for tampering. Uh, and, you know, the Knicks and Sixers are under investigation. Uh, Andrew Schlecht uh, is moving one seat up. Uh, and, and Fred Katz is here. Do you guys want to just start with with this tampering issues going across the league? I feel like we probably should, right? You're, you're going to have to be more specific. Yeah. We've got, should we just talk <laughs> we about the... Here. Yeah, should we just talk about the Nixers and combine them into one? Well, it's all East Coast. That's where that's where all the slimy business dealings happen anyway. So, Fred Katz, you're out there. You can just kind of take us through it. All right, well, let's start with the Knicks because, uh, full disclosure, I haven't even had a chance to to confirm this yet, but I'm, I'm, I'm sure Chris Haynes is, is correct in his reporting because he's both a good reporter and, and this was just, you know, this was inevitable, but but Chris Haynes, as we were about to start at 11 a.m. on Monday, Chris Haynes just reported that the NBA has begun an investigation into the New York Knicks for alleged tampering regarding free agent pickup Jalen Brunson. Then he said that the NBA is going to look into whether the Knicks made contact with Brunson prior to the start of the free agency period. And uh, there's obviously a very realistic chance that they are going to find uh, some some evidence there. Um you know, this was inevitable. I wrote a week and a half ago that there was an excellent chance uh, that the league was going to conduct a tampering investigation into the Knicks recruitment of Brunson. And, uh, you know, we'll we'll uh, we'll see what they find. But that signing came out way before six o'clock. And uh, there are a lot of people in the league who were kind of frustrated about that process, even even on the Mavs behalf, like people Mavs unrelated. So. We'll see how it goes. Yeah, it was the only only one that was reported right after the six o'clock deadline, right? Right after is right after two days before. Because Haynes reported on June twenty eighth, oh, two that's days before right. the start of free agency, yeah. that the Knicks were signing Brunson to a four year, one hundred ten million dollar deal, mm-hmm. and it turned out to be four years, one hundred and four million. But look, the Mavs knew he was going to the Knicks right. like way before June thirtieth. And, and so, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, it's going to take more than just that kind of stuff. Um, you know, what's going to be really interesting about this is the Knicks hired Jalen Brunson's dad about a month before they signed him. Mm-hmm. And there are reports about them looking into signing uh, Jay, as a hiring him as an assistant coach. I mean, Stefan Bondi from the New York Daily News reported in like, I think it was April. It was in the spring that, you know, Rick Brunson is a guy to watch. The Knicks wanted Jalen Brunson, and Rick Brunson was a longtime Tibbs assistant in Chicago and in Minnesota, and so Rick Brunson is a guy to watch. And and you know, on top of that, Leon Rose is Knicks president, and he used to be Jalen Brunson's agent, or he used to run the basketball division of CAA, which is Jalen Brunson's agency. And Jalen Brunson's kind of secondary is Sam Rose, who is Leon Rose's son. So there are these family connections, and it's going to be really interesting to see how the NBA attempts to or if the nba even does attempt to police that because you know a dad talking illegal, to a though. son is that, that's saying? not illegal and it shouldn't be illegal 
right? I mean, like, you know, the Miami Heat could hire LeVar Ball tomorrow. I mean, that like what there shouldn't be a rule and isn't a rule that prevents against that. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm saying that like, you know, as some long term, you know, to try to get LaMelo. But I mean, to me, the only thing in question is, is the contact pre-free agency. And as Andrew alluded to, I think we all know this wasn't the only situation where this happened. To me, it just seems like another one of the obvious slap on the wrist, second round pick. You know, yeah. isn't that what they did to Miami for Lowry? I when will they had- say, I don't know if that's definitely the case. Do you uh, think this is more? Remember Miami and the Raptors had like a sign and trade, like a super detailed sign and trade already worked out for Kyle Lowry. That was like, oh, y'all just like worked that out in two minutes. Right. Um, so, yeah, no, no, totally. I mean, look. Part of it is going to depend on it's it's not just the family stuff and it's 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 also what the contact was and when it was. So for example, the Knicks caused a stir when William Wesley, Worldwide West, their number two in their front office, executive VP of the Knicks, him, Alan Houston, who's working in the Knicks front office, and Julius Randle, like all those guys went to a Mavs Jazz. They went to game one of the Mavs Jazz first round series yeah. and they sat right there courtside. And everyone at the time was like, oh man, they're doing an intimidation tactic of Donovan Mitchell. They're there for Donovan Mitchell. But, you know, they were kind of killing two birds with one stone with that one, right? Because that was also a Dallas game. Uh, and, and I know there were, like, I've spoken to people around the league who were like pissed on their behalf. Um, the league is going to look into that and and look to see if there was contact made then. Um, I think they're going to look to see if they were, you know, if there were other avenues where there was contact made as well. And like, I don't know. I I wrote this about a week and a half ago, where and I know this for sure. This is not me just guessing on stuff. Like I know this for sure. Everyone assumes that the NBA's go-to penalty for this is now just loss of a second round pick because mm-hmm. that's what happened in the um, the Lonzo Ball sign and trade. And that's what happened in the Kyle Lowry sign and trade. And they just go second round pick. And I know for sure that is not their blanket policy. That's just what they decided in those moments. And if they find evidence of tampering that they believe to be particularly egregious, they are down to go with a harsher penalty. But they have to find the evidence. It can't just be like, this is what we believed happened. It has yeah. to be like evidence you can present in a courtroom and, and actually prove your point. So what, for what a, would that look like? Would that be like two second rounders? What what? Is, I think it could be a first. Yeah. So Andrew. But that's we're, that's we're, I wasn't explicitly told it could be a first. Mm-hmm. But We're making but, the case now why the Knicks should just give up all their picks to the Jazz. Because then when, when the NBA comes yeah. calling for a pick, they could be like, we don't got any. It's like somebody trying to pickpocket you on the street. Ain't nothing in my pocket. Legitimately, that's what happened with the Timberwolves and Joe Smith is that they had already given away two first rounders. And then when they took away five, they didn't really take away five. They ended up like actually giving one back to them. They only lost two. But like the penalty, like the day of, was like, they're going to lose five consecutive first round picks. We're like, well, we already traded two of them. We're like, well, then you're going to lose three. You know, it was. Then give us Rudy Gobert. Right, exactly. No. Um, yeah, no, that's we can get and I want to get to the Donovan Mitchell, uh, you know, pursuit from the Knicks. Yeah. But how about the Philly one? I mean, is would would the NBA potentially come down more uh, harsh on something like that, where it just seems like there's like salary manipulation? And obviously, I mean, Andrew, I don't know if you want to just detail kind of everything going on with that one. But that one's like you might view harsher because it's like kind of like cap circumvention in some sense. Yeah. That's, that's where like the heart, the more harsh penalty would come from. Like it's not the tampering. I don't think with the Sixers, I think that they found something they would probably do the second rounder for them and they don't really care. They don't even have room on their roster for a second round pick right now. But if it is cap circumvention, like the, the track record for that is with the Joe Smith contract where they gave him essentially they, in writing, said that they were going to give him like two years of a low salary, and then they were going to, once they had bird rights, they were going to bump up his salary and give him a, a huge deal. Well, you can't do that. <laughs> like that's, that's not within the rules of the NBA. And so they voided his contract, five consecutive first-round picks taken away, and I just detailed that like it really was, ended up just being two 
because they gave one back to them and then they already had two traded away. But that's a pretty harsh penalty. Even if the penalty was like, we're taking away two first rounders and you don't get Joe, which like Joe's a very replaceable player. It's not like he was some awesome player. He was a good player, but that's a pretty harsh penalty. And if the penalty was like PJ Tucker, his contract is voided and we're taking away two first rounders. Like that's a harsh penalty. Also, the situation was so bad because it was all in writing. Like the whole thing was in writing. And that's how they were able to come down so hard on them. You would think that Daryl Morey would not have this in writing. That this would be like a handshake deal or whatever. Well, I would say this. I mean, I think there's absolutely zero chance like Daryl Morey like, you know, grafted out of a, <laughs> you know, faxable contract. But Remember, I mean, like, they could take phones now, right? Remember that was, like, a big thing yeah. a couple years ago? Like, does writing include a text message that hints at it? This has got to be a phone call only conversation, right? You can't text this stuff. You got to be you got to be smart enough. I don't know. Kids today. <laughs> hey. Kids today. This is a 37-year-old we're calls. talking about, though. <laughs> yeah, PJ Tucker is so not a kid today. Yeah. I don't know, man. Daryl Morey's put, putting tweets in writing. So what? Yeah, I was gonna say That's so. True. So maybe check PJ Tucker's AOL uh, okay, <laughs> yeah. .com account. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shoe fan at hotmail dot com. Right. Yeah, he blogged about it on his Zanga about the uh, cap circumvention that's going to happen. Yeah, you can. They they shared his contract on Kazaa yeah. actually. Wow. <laughs> yeah, you. But you would think that. I mean, I, if I'm a Sixers fan, I think the most likely outcome is that they do the investigation. They're not able to find anything substantial. Maybe they find some tampering charges. They find them a second-round pick, and we just move on. Like, I think that's the most likely well, outcome. The interesting part of the Sixers stuff, and Andrew, you, you, you got on this, but like tampering is one thing. I think cap circumvention is worse. Yeah. So if and, – and something that we do need to address is like – James Harden, what was it? Forgetting to file his paperwork in in time yeah. for for his his option deadline, right? right? Like that was like a whole thing, and and that brings that into question too, right? Like that that might be a way, and that was that was right after the Nets traded him to Philly, right? And there were suspicions at that time, and Zach Lowe had been all over this, and he said this at the time, mm-hmm. like there were suspicions at the time that there was a wink and a nudge, like why don't you not file that paperwork, you know, and 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 we'll figure it out in the off season. And uh, you know, Zach had talked about it at the time of like, and and there were people around the league who were just like, I wonder what's going to happen here. Is he going to take way less money so they can use the full MLE? Uh, and and if the league can find a way to tie all of these actions together. Then now we're not really talking about. I mean, we we are talking about tampering, I guess, but we're not really just talking about tampering. We're talking about cap circumvention, and and, and the penalties for that historically, like you said, with Joe Smith, like that, the Timberwolves didn't make the playoffs for a decade and a half. Yeah, I mean that that ruined like a generation of Timberwolves teams. And McHale was suspended too for a year, right? I forget the details. I think that that he was. I think that even that would be like telling Daryl Moore to go sit out a year and you're losing all these first rounders. I mean, it 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 really did ruin the Kevin Garnett era. Like a lot of people forget, like, oh, they were just you know, horrible management. Not only horrible management, like so bad that they took away assets that could have made them a, a much better team. I mean, they definitely would have nailed those first round picks and <laughs> sure. been dominant in the West. Had uh, <laughs> they would have taken whoever not. the equivalent of Johnny Flynn would have been on the team. Yeah. Oh man, yes. they they could have taken Yaroslav Korolev before the Clippers did. <laughs> There's just there are just wild stories in like management history in sports. I'm sure yeah. Fred Katz has been locked into the Derek Jeter documentary, but the whole like Steinbrenner like hiring a private investigator. <laughs> for Dave Winfield and get suspended three years. I was like, geez, that happened? That's why I was just like, man, imagine if that happened today. Like that exact thing. Unbelievable. <laughs> it's um, an insane one. Should Stein- we stick Steinbrenner in- was suspended from baseball for a combined four years. And we're all just like, yeah, George Steinbrenner, what a winner. Nah. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, the funny part was like the idea that 
you know, him being suspended was just like created the Yankees dynasty because they're like, you know, all these young, great players like the Posada, Rivera, Jeter, like he would have just traded them away. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Um, all right. Well, let's stick in the New York market. This is a very New York East Coast theme podcast. Um, update us on Donovan Mitchell and the Knicks, Fred. Yeah. So honestly, we seem like we're kind of in the same place that we've been for a few weeks now. And and Shams just said a couple of days ago that like the Knicks and and uh, and Jazz haven't really corresponded since since he and you know our colleague Tony Jones uh, initially put out that report about the Knicks and Jazz talking about a Mitchell trade. I just don't think there's that much ur- urgency right now on on either side. I think one of the really interesting parts of specifically the Knicks and Mitchell and everyone just kind of has the Knicks locked in as favorites, myself included. Because everybody knows that Donovan Mitchell is not ending that contract with Utah. But what's really interesting about, I think, them specifically is that I think both sides, the Jazz and the Knicks, can credibly convince themselves that they're the ones with the leverage. And that's exactly the type of negotiation that ends up going far, you know? The Jazz can do it because Danny Inge can say, well, I want a boatload of stuff for Donovan Mitchell, and I'm not going to settle for a boatload minus one because that's how Danny Inge negotiates. You can also say, well, we've got Mitchell under contract for three more years, so why should I feel a rush to trade him at this exact moment when I could just wait out and wait till I get the best offer and then make the trade then? I think the Knicks are saying, well, we've got all of these draft picks. We've got a number of good young players. Nobody can really who's a potential Mitchell Mitchell suitor, whether it's whether it's Washington, whether it's Miami, like nobody can really make a better offer than we can right now. So like our B offer is better than their A offers. So we'll just make that. He wants to come here anyway, which is what everybody presumes. Uh so so we think we have the leverage. And I think both sides if they're thinking that way, I think both sides would kind of have a point and it makes for a really interesting negotiation and it, it makes it so it's a situation that just kind of strings out. What, is it more likely that Donovan Mitchell is at training camp or a Mets playoff game come <laughs> October? Well, um. That's, I think, I think the answer is, is both. I think he'll, <laughs> I think he'll be at a Mets playoff game. Jazz might just let him. Uh, Well, you mentioned the the word urgency, which I think is interesting in this situation where, you know, if you're the Jazz, you could think, hey, let the Knicks go into the season. Let them disappoint themselves through 15 games and be, you know, whatever, 6 and 11 through 17 games, something like that. And then they'll be like, got to act now. Because, I mean, I mean, you know the market. You know the situation. Um, the fan base will probably be calling for it. They'll probably be calling for it at training camp day two, right? Like, why is he not here yet? So that would be – you would think the Jazz would, could create leverage if they take it into the season. But there's the flip side of that of, like, Utah really wants to, like – get this rebuild going right i mean part of the part of the appeal of the go bear trade wasn't just all the picks but it was like if they can stink next year they might get the number one pick the number two pick in this loaded you know when yep. scoot henderson draft if donovan mitchell's in there like you know winning a few games in the first month of the season that might screw their pick long term and i think they know that so the urgency level stuff is interesting from both sides yeah you win, totally you win five or six games at the start of the season that you are we're not planning to win, like that can mess everything up at the end of the season. And to me, it's not specifically about the odds because the odds suck no matter where you're at in the lottery. If you have the worst record in the league, your odds are still 14%. Like it's not good odds. But it's all about how far you can fall. Because if you're at the first spot, the furthest you can fall is fifth. So if you have the worst record in the league, you're guaranteed a top five pick. If you're third, fourth, or fifth, boy, you can fall pretty far. And like that's what you want to mitigate if you're if you're tanking. A lot of people are like, well, it doesn't matter. All the odds are, you know, they are what they are. They're terrible. No, it's really not that. It's you don't want to be the team that has the fourth, you know, best odds and you fall down to like six or seven, because then like you're kind of screwed then. So you really want, if you're gonna tank, like you need to do it right. Andrew, I'm smiling right now because you know you know when you watch like a like a demon movie and the demon overcomes a person's body and you, you see them become the demon. I feel like that just happened to you, but with Sam Preston. <laughs> that is feel, probably true. I've, I 
I felt like I was listening to a Sam Presti press conference right now. Uh, no, that's 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 very true. What you don't want is for Donovan Mitchell to go out in an early season game and they're playing uh, Denver and Denver is resting Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. And Mitchell goes for 48 and and you win that game on the road that you were never supposed to win. And now all of a sudden you go into the lottery with fourth best odds because you miss it by two wins or something like that. And Donovan Mitchell's really good. So he might win you a game you're not supposed to win. Yeah. There there are interesting just like personal dynamics here. Like I I don't really know uh if it's gonna be awkward for Donovan Mitchell to go in, not awkward. Like the big difference between a Donovan Mitchell possible trade and most other all-star level trades that we've seen in recent years, he's making absolutely no noise to get traded. You know, this is not like Anthony Davis where they sent him home for months because things were so uncomfortable after a very public trade request. Donovan Mitchell is not asked for a trade. No, he's going to like single A baseball games in New York and just like, (laughs) I love this city. Dude, I, he went to, he went to a Brooklyn Cyclones game. And threw out the first pitch at a Brooklyn Cyclones game, and he took BP before the game with the Brooklyn Cyclones. He's like an amazing baseball player. He was I mean, like mashing home runs with a wood bat. He's like awesomely good. That's interesting. So good on Donovan Mitchell. But they it's it's just there are a lot of weird personal dynamics here. Like, I don't think anybody on the outside. I don't think anybody who isn't intimately close with Donovan Mitchell can say whether things will be uncomfortable or totally fine if he goes into jazz training camp. And and there's the other side of this too, which is, remember what happened with the Lakers when everybody knew they were going to trade for Anthony Davis and, and like Lonzo knew he was going to be out and Ingram knew he was going to be out. And it was like an uncomfortable locker. They they won 35 games that year. It was like an uncomfortable locker room just waiting for the inevitability of those guys getting traded, yep. right? And there were different personal dynamics there because there was the narrative of like LeBron is trying to get them traded. So that was obviously very uncomfortable. But that's like, a if, Knicks thing, though. That would almost be what the Knicks would have to deal with. Right. Well, that's what I'm yeah. saying. Like if you're the Knicks and you go in and like you're Emmanuel quickly, you're Obi Toppin. And this trade just seems like an inevitability. And maybe it's not. I mean, maybe he ends up going elsewhere. The Knicks don't give up what the Jazz want, which is a ridiculously high price. Like if you're if you're Emmanuel quickly, you're Obi Toppin, you're Quentin Grimes, who I think would from Utah's perspective would have to be in there. I think he's he's the main player that they would want because he has a chance to be really good. Uh you know, that could be an uncomfortable experience for you too. Like, and I, and I don't know either way. Cause you just, you just never know with young guys and you never know with someone like Mitchell. Cause you just, you can't read people's minds, but that, that, that presents the potential for there to be just weird, possibly uncomfortable dynamics on either side. And that is where I think Utah probably won't have to deal with that as much. I mean, like Walker Kessler is not going to be in the locker room like, let us know, Donovan. Are you here or are you not? (laughs) Um, That's just probably, I mean, sadly, I think going to be a really dull situation, right? I mean, year one of a a massive overhaul of a rebuild. Like, I'm sure the fan base, you know, attendance numbers are going to go down. The interest locally is probably going to go down somewhat. I mean, I there'll probably be some uncomfortable coverage and angst in the arena if Donovan is just kind of lingering there and everybody knows it's gone but I don't think that'll compare at all to to what New York's going through and you know Danny Ainge has a stomach for it we know that does you know the Knicks entire leadership group have that type of stomach for it yeah I mean an interesting Knicks thing is that like so Leon Rose is is their team president but but Leon's not like on like all of the day to day trade calls. The the guy who does that is a guy named Brock Aller, who is basically their cap guy, uh, and and he tends to do not every trade call. There are people who've I've heard I've heard Frank Zanin, their assistant GM, of conducting some, and heard of Scott Perry, their general manager, doing some, and so on and so forth. And and Leon tends to like splice in at the end to 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 you know confirm calls and and just like finish things up and wrap it up. But for the most part, I think Brock Aller is doing at least the plurality of their trade calls. And with Brock, he is totally and completely obsessive about marginal value stuff. Like 
absurdly to the point that I've heard from teams that they're just like, he would not let it go about this draft rights, guys. We were like, whatever, man, just take him so we can be done here. <laughs> like there's I've just like that. He's he's really earned that reputation. So so one of the most interesting, like I keep mentioning personal dynamics. And obviously, when you're trading for an all-star player, there's basketball stuff. But I, I'm fascinated by the personal stuff. And like that personality going up against Danny Ainge, where he's like, I have the stomach for whatever. And you're just, I'm just going to go home and, and chill. And you can call me when you meet my price. And Brock being like the exact opposite of like, not only that, will I not meet my price, but we got to talk about all the tweaking on the margins as well. Like that is a very interesting personality dynamic when it comes to talking out this trade. Yeah. I would also say like the, the jazz have a little bit more work to do too, to get to the bottom because they've got guys that are going to just pull them to the middle. Mike Conley, Bogdanovich, uh, Malik Beasley, Jordan Clarkson, Pat Bev is on this team. Like Jared Vanderbilt's like a, a very helpful player right now. They've got a little bit of work to do if they do want to be at the bottom of the barrel. Because they have like a top eight that's like, okay, I know all those names. If you want to be at the bottom of the barrel, you got to be at a level where like, I don't know who these guys are. We got to be like who he play for all stars if you want to like really tank this year. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but you can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Did you know that even if you have a 401k for retirement, you can still have an IRA? Robinhood has the only IRA that gives you a 3% boost on every dollar you contribute when you subscribe to Robinhood Gold. But get this, now through April 30th, Robinhood is even boosting every single dollar you transfer in from another retirement account with a 3% match. That's right, no cap on the 3% match. Robinhood Gold gets you the most for your retirement thanks to their IRA with a 3% match. This offer is good through April 30th. Get started at Robinhood.com slash boost. Subscription fees apply. And now for some legal info. Claim as of Q1 2024 validated by Radius Global Market Research. Investing involves risk including loss. Limitations apply to IRAs and 401ks. 3% match requires Robinhood Gold for one year from the date of first 3% match. Must keep Robinhood IRA for five years. The 3% matching on transfers is subject to special terms and conditions. Robinhood IRA available to U.S. customers in good standing. Robinhood Financial LLC member SIPC is a registered broker. Joker dealer. Although, you know, the West, there ain't that. It's really them, the Thunder, and Houston. And the weird thing is Houston and the Thunder are now a few years into it where it's like they, they kind of want to compete, right? There's going to be less shutting down of players. Uh, there's going to be like the, the some of the youth will just be, you know, better winning type players. So if you look at the West, like who is going to be worse than the Jazz? It's a it's a good question. I think the Thunder Houston is going to be worse. Houston's going to be really Houston's going to be really bad. I, I think they've got talent, but they have talent that doesn't exactly fit together, and it's going to take some time. And if you're Houston, the Thunder picks the th- the picks that you traded to the Thunder kick in after this next draft, and so this is your your last shot to keep your pick and not have to sweat it out. Because they're and their picks are protected too, so to me this is a year where you're like, all right, everybody, just go out there and try whatever you'd like, and let's let's be bad. Let's I think they're they're probably going to be the worst team in the league again, which is okay for them, uh, but they do have a lot more talent. And if you can add like the number one or number two pick to that team, then like you're you start to really cook, and you can see Houston being a good team in the next like three or four years, like one of the better teams in the West. Yeah, Andrew, what's your read on like how bad? I mean, we know the Thunder are not actively trying to go out and and make the playoffs. What's your read on how bad they cuz like the last years they they wanted to be the absolute worst. Like are they just going to 
you know, shut down Shea Gilch Alexander again at the end of a season? Like, are are they going to do that again? Or are they actually going to just be like normal bad and be satisfied with that? I think it's possible that players get shut down again at the end of the season. I think the Thunder would like to have one more pick. And I also think the Thunder are going to operate this way until they have a new collective bargaining agreement in place. That's, I think if you're a Thunder fan or if you're somebody that's watching, like, what are the Thunder doing? When is this going to stop? I think looking at the, the 2023 CBA is like a really good sign to when they want to start pushing to be good. Because the rules changed a lot on the Thunder as they were building their team. Like Kevin Durant's contract changed overnight without them even knowing it. Uh, they, you know, you had the 2016 cap spike. And like there were just a lot of things. The that, legendary 2016 cap spike, which is still being referenced in, in local Oklahoma City oh, bars. It's uh yeah, it's it's uh we have a, a segment on the Down to Dunk podcast where it's like, all right, time to talk about the 2016 cap spike. No, it's I think they want to know what the rules are. So I would I would be surprised if they're not at least like maybe fifth or sixth in the lottery. I think at some point you can't be the worst team in the league. You know, they've picked twice, they picked six, and they picked second. And they already had Shea, and they had Lou Dort, they just re-signed him. They have enough like, good players to where I don't think you can be the worst team in the league. However, I don't think that they're going to try to make the play-in. I think they're going to be probably somewhere in between like fourth and eighth, uh, just depending on how good Chet is, honestly. Like, how much does Chet help them this year? Like, defensively... They haven't had a guy like him in a long time. And so, and also, part of getting good for the future, like being good in the years you want to be good in in a few years, is getting a ton of minutes together. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where, you know, I, I think this is the type of season, now that it feels like the Thunder aren't just accumulating draft picks, but now they actually have the physical humans that they want, yep. uh, you know, to be their core in the future. You just... Don't shut guys down when you don't have to, because like these guys need minutes. That's yeah. how they get better. I mean, you go go look at the at the Durant Westbrook, you know, early early seasons, which is like you know, I guess like the template of what the Thunder want to recreate. Mm-hmm. Those guys were playing 80, 82 games. You know, they were losing. I mean, together, but it was like you need them to play together. I will say it depends. It depends on where they're at with regards to shutting guys down. If they are like on the razor's edge of making the play in. I think that they pull guys. If they are like firmly like the fifth worst team in the league, I think that you just let them play it out. The Sacramento Kings are just shaking their head. You're <laughs> on the verge of the playing, and you don't go after it. Are you kidding me? That would be that would be my guess as to what they would do, though, because I do think they want to be in the lottery again. I think that they want to add another high level piece to this team because if you're a small market team, you can't add. You can't just be gifted good players to let, your team. Let me ask you, and I, you know, uh, we bring Andrew on, and I'm love that we've wrapped ourselves deep into a thunder <laughs> conversation here, though. But I just that does sound great in theory. Um, that sounds like the correct decision. But uh, man, I just, I just wonder from the human component, from the fan base component yeah. uh, that you know very well, Andrew. If you are sitting there, like if they were on the on the edge of the play in in the last month, month and a half. There'd be some energy in that building. There'd be some energy around that core that, you know, Chet and Josh Giddy aren't going to go, you're right, Sam, the, the, the ninth pick would be great. We'd be like, Dude, let's try to make the play in and get like, you know, a, a, a swing at the, you know, Pelicans in, in a play in game or something like that. And that's where it becomes a little bit dangerous, I think. So the thing about it that does make me wonder is that Chet and Josh Giddy really wanted to play in summer league and they specifically wanted to play together. Uh, I didn't think that Josh was going to play in Vegas. I thought, because they played in the Utah Summer League and in Vegas. I didn't think Josh was going to play. And he wanted to play. Like, he showed up in Vegas saying like that he wanted to play in these games. And he played in three games, which was kind of shocking to a lot of people. Uh, so there may be an element of, I don't think that they're going to like sit these guys down and be like, you have to sit. I think that they... I think it's more of like a conversation that they have with these guys and explaining to them. And they, at the end of the day, it may be that Josh and Chet and those guys want to play. And my guess is that they won't be good enough to get to the play in. Like, I, I don't, 
think that there's actually going to have to be a conversation like this. I don't think they'll be that good. West is stacked. West yeah. Is stacked. The West is too good. Um, and so I think you can, I think there is hope that maybe these guys can play a full season and they're still the fifth worst team in the league and then they can build on that for next year. That's a great slogan for the, for the season. For, uh, Fred, you're, you're a local Thunder fan and that's what, like, we're going to play everybody and we're still not going to be good enough. Come on out. I, they are the I youngest. I like your slogan. I like your comment from before as a slogan. At least they have physical humans. <laughs> At least that, they have physical yeah. humans. They are the youngest team in the league. Their average age is 22.8 right now, and they still have Derek Favors, who will likely be waived. So You know, only in sports, by the way, do we, do we say age with a decimal and not the number of months. Like, we don't say 22 <laughs> in 10 months. We say 22. How old are you? 22.8. <laughs> this is just the number I've been given by whatever website I used. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we we have not mentioned the San Antonio Spurs, by the way, as a team that yeah. could die below you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's a, that's a team that, that that has shown the motivation to lose um, and is putting itself in the position. Traded DeJounte Murray, extended Kelton Johnson. So we'll see. I, I have a feeling that Jakob Pertl is gettable. They love Pertl there, but but he's on. He's you on love Pertl uh, here. I love Pirtle everywhere. Yeah, he's on. Uh, he's but he's on an expiring deal. He's only nine mil. How like, many unprotected first round picks would you give up for Pirtle? How many do I have? Because that's the answer. Yeah. I, if you're running the Knicks, do you take Pirtle or Mitchell? No, you know, yeah. you know what I'm doing. If I'm Toronto and Kevin Durant falls through, I'm calling about Pirtle and seeing if I can bring him back because that's yeah. actually perfect. They they really want a rim protecting center, and and they could they could make that work. He would he would fit in. I think would Scotty Barnes well be on the point. table for Pirtle? <laughs> um, on the table, he'd be in San Antonio immediately, so, along with Siakam and OG. So um, let's go back to the Donovan Mitchell conversation. Uh, who who else who is being leveraged against the Knicks is probably the best way to put it. Sure. Uh, Miami. But I don't think Miami's package is as good as theirs. Uh, you know, Shams has talked about Washington as a team there, but Washington's 2023 pick is actually in New York and I'm sure would be one of the picks going to Utah if the Knicks figured out that deal. Um, so, you know, Washington, that that 2023 pick is protected all the way to 2026, which means that the soonest first round pick the Wizards can trade is their 2028 first. Uh, so they would kind of need to hit up the Wizards and and give the or hit up the Knicks and give them something to unprotect that 23 pick so they could trade like 25, 27, 29, I guess. Um, I don't know what else. I mean, a, a Wizards offer, I don't think is as attractive as the Knicks. Like Utah wants those picks. Like Rui Hachimura is extension eligible. Denny Avdia is two years in. Yeah. Um, Andrew's making a face right now. Like <laughs> Daniel just... Gafford's extension kicks in next year and that's three for 40. Yeah. Like he's going to be getting paid market value. Like, I don't know what that, like Wizards deal would look like in order to beat the Knicks if the Knicks are willing to give a nice offer. Uh, you know, Shams has talked about Charlotte. Uh, but again, I just, I don't know if Charlotte can beat that offer. You know, I'm sure PJ Washington would be in a deal like that. And then you throw in some picks. Um, but, but again, Washington is, I, I Washington is, is uh, going to get expensive next year. So, so that's something as well. And so I don't know. It's, I, I don't know if there is an offer that's like, okay, that's great. I, I think if you're Utah and you're hoping another team jumps in and you really want to leverage another team's offer against the Knicks offer to get them to bite or maybe even find a better one than what the Knicks can have, I think you might be best off waiting out the Kevin Durant situation. And then hoping one of those Durant teams, whether because they don't end up with Durant or because Brooklyn just says, screw it, we're keeping him, you use one of those Durant teams. So like, uh, I, I have not specifically at all heard, to be clear, that Toronto wants Donovan Mitchell. I have no idea of Toronto's interest level, but just like spitballing a team. Like Toronto could offer picks in OG Ananobi. Uh, Toronto could offer, you know, like a pick laden package and maybe you throw in like precious Achua or something like that. Like Toronto can make a really good offer. And that OG Ananobi contract is, is super team friendly and he's still there for, I think three more years. So like that's, that's something 18 a year or something like that. So like that's, that's an offer where you're like, 
Why you can get OG if you want. You can keep OG because uh, he's young and he's really freaking good. And everybody needs a player of that type. And he is about as good as you're going to get of that. Just like staunch on the wing, hits his threes, good offensive player, awesome defensively, versatile. Like he fits everywhere. So if you want to flip him, then you could probably get a ton back for him. Like like Toronto. I probably could have traded him to Portland for number seven, right? And everyone was just like, why in the world would you do that? So mm-hmm. like you can you can get stuff for OG if you really just want to go crazy on picks. So like maybe their best leverage play is just waiting out KD and just capitalizing on a team that misses out on KD that might want Mitchell. Um gonna have to but keep I have a feeling the market will one. I'm not sure that one gets done even before Mitchell. Or yeah. ever gets yeah, done. Yeah, you might be right. It might never get done. Yeah, yeah. What about Orlando? I've heard several people mention Orlando as a team. Do they do they have any interest of adding a player like Mitchell to this young core? I mean that that to me is an interesting one because they have tons of young players, they have tons of picks. Like they could they could make like the most attractive trade package like pretty easily, I think. That probably depends on how much they're attempting to speed up the timeline, right? Is is yeah. is their ownership group going, "Hey, you know, we want to get to the seventh A seed. And, you know, historically they have been over the last decade or so, like a team that like does kind of like to try to get the A seed, you know, seven yeah, seeds. So definitely. I think there's less patience there. So maybe, you know, that would be a fun little pairing him and, uh, you know, Paulo. You, you trade Suggs and a bunch of picks, a bunch of magic picks. You know, when we mentioned part of why the reason why the, the heat package is not appealing is because you're getting heat draft picks, which yep. are not typically, you know, they're going to be in the 20s. Uh, whereas if you're getting a bunch of Orlando Magic picks or even Knicks picks, you're like, yeah, oh yeah, give me all those uh, Magic unprotected picks. So yeah. maybe I just, I probably wouldn't advise it if I was Orlando. And it, they at least, as of right now, don't seem like they're obsessed with like competing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Ma- the Magic also have Chicago's 2023, which is like pretty lightly protected, um, and that's that's from the Vucevic trade. And then they also have Denver's 2025, so they could include that. Can I say a sleeper team that I haven't heard any actual interest in? They're not a sleeper team, but just like a team that I think, like if I were them, I would strongly consider going after Mitchell. Mm-hmm. What, what about Cleveland? Like you have Garland and Mobley, who are both awesome. If you could, if you're Cleveland and you can find a way to do something while holding on to Obviously, you're not trading Garland. He just extended. Obviously, you're not trading Mobley. He's at Mobley. Um, and you have so many years of team control on him. And if you can find a way to keep Jared Allen in that, which you might be able to, because why would Utah, given we know what Utah wants, they want guys who have team control for a long time and they want picks. Like, that's what they want. I don't know why Utah would like go out of their way for Jared Allen in a situation like that. Like, Mitchell would be such a good fit there. Uh, you could have like Mitchell is 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 kind of an offensive hub, but he still need like he's not Luca. Like he needs a point guard next to him to be able to run a secondary pick and roll to to be able to you know go off of weak side actions like that kind of stuff. Which is why I actually think he and Jalen Brunson, if he were to come to New York, would be such a good offensive fit together. Even though the defense would be questionable. And you talk about like yeah, like Garland is is not a stopper on the perimeter at all. Mitchell is not a stopper on the perimeter at all and was one of the problems for the Jazz, you know, the last few years in the playoffs, just just with all those holes they had on the perimeter with guarding guys and all the driving lanes they gave up. But like you have Evan Mobley and Jared Allen on the back line. Yeah. Like that's the best rim protection back line in the NBA, like of both guys. Like, yeah, Rudy Gobert is the best rim protector. Well, Jakob Pertl is the best rim protector. But those <laughs> If you talk about your two guys, your four and your five, the best combined rim protection, it is easily in Cleveland. They were fifth in points per possession last year, even though they didn't have like great perimeter defenders. They were playing Lowry Markkinen in the three, which yeah. could have been a disaster. We all went into last year being like, that's going to be a disaster. And it, it wasn't only not a disaster. Those lineups were like really good defensively because Mobley and Allen are so good defensively and such good rim protectors. Like you can get away with that defensively, I think. And offensively, that's a that's a freaking lineup right there with Garland, who is all-star caliber. Mitchell is all-star caliber. Mobley is going to be all-star caliber real soon, maybe next year. You know, Allen's already an all-star. Like, that is a team right there. 
Like you might have to trade Levert, you, you might have to trade everything else, uh, and you're gonna have to give up picks. But like, I I I know it's in three years he's probably gone if you do that in your Cleveland. But I'm into that. I wouldn't chase it. It's, it's part of the reason I still don't like the Timberwolves trade because you know Anthony Edwards is still what 21, and they just traded away their all of their future picks, and it's like. It sounds good now. The Timberwolves are better next season because of the Gobert trade, but I'm like, do do we think that was like smart building for the next decade? No, no, no. no. So that was that's, too much. I would make the same mark, you know, because for Cleveland to get into the Donovan Mitchell sweepstakes, we know what they'd have to give up their entire draft pick future. Yeah, and I just you're not there yet in your growth pattern. You know what I mean? Like, I, they would be fun to watch next season. I just if you were smartly building it, I just think that's it's too rushed. Yeah, I I totally agree with that. They they do have the Kevin Love expiring, which is kind of interesting, because he's almost thirty million and expiring. You could swap Mitchell for Kevin Love and picks, and you don't have to give up. If you give up enough picks, you don't have to give up players. And and also a problem with Cleveland is, like, what young players would they want? Like, I don't think like Isaac Okoro is getting that done. Uh, Abaji is not exactly a guy that you're bringing in to like build around or like have a, I mean, he's already 22. Like he's already the same age um, as Darius Garland. He's a year older than Evan Mobley. So I just, I I think it's an interesting idea. I just don't think they have the goods to get it done. They do. I, if I'm the jazz, like I'm very interested in getting like a big expiring contract like Kevin loves, but I also want a young player. You know, in yeah. in a trade like that. Look, everybody keeps saying what the Jazz want for Mitchell, and that's great. <laughs> but someone's got to give it to him. Yeah, true. And okay, let's let's go through the suitors. You're not getting that from Miami because Hero is about to get expensive, and he's going to get a max probably. And Miami can only trade a couple of picks. Uh, we just went through Washington. We just like Charlotte doesn't have that automatic that guy is going to be really good guy who they're going to give up uh i think then this is why i think the knicks offer like pretty easily the best package but we're operating for the sake of this conversation we're operating under the assumption that it's it's not the knicks right that the knicks don't want to give it up so yeah toronto toronto i'm with you toronto can offer something really good but like who are the teams because a lot of the teams that can offer the really good stuff like i just don't see like i like we can't say that orlando is it should be going for it, but with Cleveland, it's too soon on the timeline. You know, Cleveland is well, way farther along on the timeline I, than Orlando is. I agree, and I but I I don't think Orlando should either. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. I don't I don't think he's the kind of guy who Memphis would want because they have Desmond Bain, who is under team control for much longer and is really really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think he makes sense with like New Orleans because they just traded for CJ McCollum and and I don't think that makes sense. And you look at the other teams that have like assets or young guys to do it and and they're just like, you know, we mentioned the timeline, they're just not in the timeline. Uh Oklahoma City's not doing that deal. Nope. Houston's not doing that deal. Um uh, you know, it's just it's it's hard to figure out for as good of a player as he is. It's hard to figure out a team that has both the motivation and all of the pieces to meet what the Jazz want. So that's why I'm like the Jazz can keep saying what they want, and that's great. But like, there's there's kind of one team that's gonna come the closest to what they want. I think the Knicks are fully aware of that, which is why they're not offering close to what the Jazz want. I think they're just fully aware, like. Okay, it's it's kind of like when uh, when a team is negotiating with a free agent and they say, "Okay, you want more than what we're offering? Just go find somebody who's going to pay you more and come back to us before you sign it." But if you can't find somebody who's going to give you more, then just take the money. And I think the Knicks uh, probably are and probably should be offering under a similar uh, sort of strategy. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. 
See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Yeah, there's probably uh, one more segment I kind of wanted to talk about this week, which is um, two high-profile Rich Paul clients are up for uh, extensions. And that's LeBron and, and Draymond, probably his two most high profile. Um, you know, I think it, Draymond is August 3rd, which is Wednesday. I believe LeBron is August 4th, which is Thursday. Correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. That's right. Um, you know, they're two different situations. I think LeBron holds a lot of the leverage in the Lakers situation. It's almost like a, you know, name your amount of years, name your price. You can have it or you can, you know, the big News would be if he just says no, right? No, I want to play this out, uh, and then he holds a lot of cards over the next uh, you know year or so uh, from a leverage standpoint, which he has preferred over his organization. So that is to me a pretty big uh, storyline across the league. And then the Draymond situation with the Warriors, uh, he you know just this is such a big leverage point for Draymond. They just won their fourth title. He was good, you know, when he played this season, defensive player of the year candidate. Obviously, he's just kind of the emotional engine. This is a time for him to try to get a big payday when 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 maybe his stock is at its highest it's been over the last few years. He wants the max. And now, I put max in air quotes cuz it's maximum allowable extension, which only starts at about thirty point nine million. It's not like he's asking for the you know forty five million a year type extension, but still hefty money for for Draymond at his age, um, you know thirty and with eight percent raises. So, but the Warriors, you know, unlike the Lakers, are not just sitting there going, you know, name your contract, you can have it. They are because of their tax bill, which me and Marcus wrote about, you know, in detail this past week, are just being a little bit more cautious with their future spending and and what they're locking into and starting Wednesday when he becomes extension eligible I think that kind of you know brings things to a head a little bit because that would be the day that the Warriors would technically be kind of denying and that type of an extension request from from not only one of their most important legend players but you know their loudest player a guy who who potentially if he decides he's displeased with the situation um, could decide to go public on any platform he likes which includes TNT which includes a podcast whatever uh, so that to me that's just like as we monitor a slow part of the offseason those two things this week are, are interesting yeah what's your prediction for Draymond Slater I don't think anything gets done. Uh, I, I don't. The Warriors are not motivated at all to to uh, you know max extend him now. And even if the price tag was brought you know uh, to a more reasonable level, which you know Draymond can very much make you the argument, particularly in a Warriors environment, he deserves. Um, they still can say technically have two seasons left on his deal. The last one is a player option, but as of now, uh, two seasons left. It, it, good money. Um, They've never extended with two seasons left. They, they only extended Steph when he had one year left. And they, because of this rising tax bill, because Jordan Poole is you know extension eligible right now, because Wiggins only has one year left, they're just not trying to lock into to long-term money. And they can be, you know, that front office, you know, can have a backbone in situations like this. And the ownership group clearly has shown that they're, thinking about the future as much as the present, even while winning titles in the present, they're protecting draft picks. They're taking lottery picks. You know, they're not trading away everything to, to maximize the now. Uh, I think that they're willing to play a little hardball, uh, you know, negotiation wise. And that could get interesting because there are, you know, ways uh, for, for people to leverage um, themselves in contract negotiations if they're willing to speak up about it. Uh, Slater, I have a question. What what's the Warriors imp- like? Draymond's thirty two now. What's what's the Warriors' impression of how he's going to age? Like what what's their evaluation of that? Because we're getting to the point of like where some guys start to fall off, and so much of his success is based on just you know sheer intelligence. But like how 
what is the impression of physically how he's going to age and how they think he's going to be into his mid thirties? Yeah, I mean, look, this past season um, is is a good is a good argument both for and against it, which is like when he was healthy. He was like through whatever uh, it was January like ninth or when he went out with a very odd injury, but to that point he was like considered like runaway defensive player of the year. He could sit there and go, "Look, I'm still when healthy the best defensive player in basketball," and all the stuff he does behind the scenes, you know. And, and he could argue he's he's being told to mentor his replacements right now, uh, which is always a, a difficult scenario. So I think. That, but you know, again, the other argument he did go down with it with a, you know, it was a, it was a nerve I- injury from his back that was tied to his calf, like kind of a scary sounding injury. So, um, you know, he's a six foot six, six foot seven, really six 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 five, like big, who bashes his body around, um, which you know that you wouldn't think would age that well, but I mean. I don't know. They just won the title. To me, that's that, part of the reason why I think there's such a motivation from him to try to get something done is because, like, when will he have as much leverage as he has now, which is, like, coming off a title, you know, you you have the most high-profile player in the organization who's, who wants you around while, you know, and I'm talking about Steph Curry, you know, through his contract at least, which, which lasted another three seasons, like – there's no better time than now to try to settle your future if you're Draymond. But as you said, Fred, if the Warriors who have him under contract for at least one more season before he hits a player option, I think they believe they can kind of take a step back. And they don't, you know, there's no telling how exactly he'll age, but they they could get another year of data before they technically have to make a, you know, longer term decision. And I think that's where maybe the the impasse is. Yeah, I think that makes the most sense. What about LeBron? He's he's going to be 38 in December, which is just wild. And the Lakers have been in this situation before with Kobe Bryant where he's on the decline and then he kind of hits a wall. And the team really can't – you can't really rebuild with Kobe and you can't really rebuild with LeBron. Is this a situation that – they're comfortable writing out. Like, I really don't have a feel for it. I don't know what you guys think. Outside looking in, it just kind of feels like, you know, a little bit opposite of what we were just talking about with Draymond and the Warriors. Like, LeBron just dictates terms. Yeah. Right? He just tells them what to do. I I don't think there's any feeling within the Lakers like, well, you know, let's hold off. How's he going to age? This or that. It's more like they're so all in on LeBron. Now, you know, I say that and they have at least shown a little bit of a pivot the last however long with like they're really trying to hold on to these 20, 27, 29 picks, right? They're just not going to trade him for anything. Um, and they're dealing with that situation. But I generally think he's probably going to get whatever contract he wants, which could include no extension because he wants to like, you know, kind of keep his thumb on the scale there. And that is a way he can probably dictate like some of the personnel moves over the next year easier than if he locks in to maximum allowable. And then of course there's like the whole Bronny James, like off in the distance, Ken Griffey Jr. Ken Griffey senior, like situation looming out there. I wonder how much LeBron looks at Kevin Durant's situation. And, and I like, I wonder if he takes anything away from that because Katie signs an extension for four years. Doesn't even get a player option. LeBron wouldn't do that. LeBron gets everything he wants. Yeah. He wants the player option, he gets the player option. I can't, I, I, I've mentioned this on this podcast 12 times. I still cannot believe that Kevin Durant didn't get a player <laughs> option on that extension. It just blows my mind. He's Kevin Durant. Yeah, he should wild. be, okay, you give me whatever I want. And the Nets should be like, great, of course we do. Yeah. Uh, but I wonder if he looks at the KD situation where, you know, KD was in a situation where he could have had all the leverage all the time. Security is not that important for a guy like that. I mean, look, KD literally tore his Achilles and was going to miss an entire season from an Achilles tear in his 30s and still got a four-year max. Mm -hmm. Like when we talk about him, Giannis, LeBron, like I don't know if security is maybe when LeBron's 38, maybe he looks at it differently, but I don't know if security is on the forefront of those guys' minds the same way it is for like the basically every other player in the league uh, because they're going to get a max basically no matter what happens in the upcoming season. Um, 
you know, I just, I wonder if LeBron looks at that and he's a guy who signed one year contracts repeatedly throughout his career. Uh, not all the time. He didn't do it with the Lakers, but you know, in Cleveland, for example, he's signing one year contracts. Like I just, I wonder how much all of these things come into his thought process when he comes to this. Uh, I do have a thought. I do have a thought exercise. If, if you're the Lakers and August 4th, you go to LeBron, say, what do you want in an extension? LeBron says, I want an extension. I'm good. How do you react if you're the Lakers? I don't mean like emotionally, how do you react? Like what is your actual, emotionally, you just start crying and you just go in the bathroom and you come out a few hours later. Actual like response wise, like, like Andrew, what do you, what do you do? You just lost 49 games. Yeah, I th- I think you have to let it play out. I think so much of this is about how healthy Anthony Davis can get. And like what does Anthony Davis look like moving forward? Because if he's not able to be the player that you traded for at any point moving forward, then you're probably heading toward some kind of rebuild or waiting for the next star or whatever you do when you're the Lakers. So to me, it's hard to do anything but say, okay, let's see how good we can be. Because if they're good this year, which is not impossible, then LeBron's going to sign the extension or is going to extend at some point with you or sign a new deal. But if you're still, like, I don't know, like you're battling for the play-in and you're in April, I don't know that you want to extend the life of this team. So to me, it's it's not the worst situation to be in if you're the Lakers because you may have a few bad years here or there if you're the Lakers, but eventually you're going to bounce back because people want to play in L.A., and that's the team they want to play for. So to, to me, it's not the worst situation to try to wait this out and see what you've got. Obviously, you have the Westbrook situation kind of looming over you. Can you trade him? What do you do if you can't? Like, that's a whole other conversation. But just like, is Anthony Davis a top 12 player in the league anymore? And can he get there? Because if he can, like, you're you're going to be fine. Just having LeBron and AD playing well, like, you're going to be fine. So I, I kind of want to know if that's even a possibility first, even. Fred, the answer Fred wanted was you, you call the Cleveland Cavaliers and go, <laughs> Kevin Love and Evan Mobley. LeBron can come home again. Um, I think that's what the Lakers are hoping. No, nah, they they just traded for Donovan Mitchell. So there you yeah. go. Yeah. Well, you know, he needs a uh, pick and roll partner. Um, yeah. No, I. I mean, you just keep him. I mean, he. You just like Andrew said, ride it out. Now, I think that in some way, it's it's LeBron would maybe think if I do that, then they're more likely to to use the 2027, 2029 first round picks. Cause that does feel like what, like the arguments about like, you know, sure. do you use your last available assets to help me right now? Um, so the argument would be, well, maybe then you turn and go Westbrook and these picks for buddy healed and miles Turner. Um, but maybe the choice would then be, Hey, if you're, if you're not extending, we're protecting those picks. Because you you're really you know making our future you know it's even more in question. So to me, that's where the pivot point of August fourth comes in. It's like those picks. Yeah, yeah. If you trade those picks, and Anthony Davis is like the thirty first best player in the league, and LeBron turns thirty eight in December, you're in a bad spot. You're in a really bad spot. But if AD again, to me, it's so much of this is about Anthony Davis and his health and what his career looks like from here. Because uh, like, he's not old. Like, he, should, like, he should be able to have some good years, but he's had so many injuries that you just you worry about what, what your future is with him. How about that video this summer? Where, I don't know, what was it on, like an upcoming documentary or something? He's like, man, I haven't touched a basketball in months. I know. That <laughs> yeah, so that's got to make you feel Kevin Garnett lost weird. his mind over yeah, that. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he he lost his mind. I mean, there is a another person who we haven't discussed. By the way, before before we discuss him, that reminds me of when I go to the gym and like shoot a basketball now. Like, oh man, it's been a while. Like, let me get a shot up here. Wow. Ooh, man, forgot about these muscles. I mean, Andrew, you say it's about AD. I actually think it's overplayed 
80s quality of play last year. Like when he played, he was still a really good player. Like he he was not hitting his threes at all. He shot like 17% from three. But he was still a really good player when he played. I think how the hell they're going to figure out, and I, I know you're kind of beating a similar drum when you say this, but like LeBron, Westbrook, and AD, when those three were on the floor together, the Lakers were minus three per 100 yeah. possessions. Like their their success was pred- – or their, their, their anticipated success was built upon the fact that, okay, you know what? When those guys are off the floor, we're obviously not going to be good. But when those guys are on the floor, we're just going to maul teams. And you want – for that to happen, like th- those guys have to be like plus 10 per 100, plus 12 per 100 when they're on the floor together. And they were minus three. So when you figure, okay, when those guys are off the floor, we're not going to be good. But when they're on the floor, you're actively bad. That's when you lose 49 games. I don't know how they're going to figure that out. I don't know where Russ is going to be. Um, but like that is a massive change that has to be adjusted, that has to be stripped away. Like I don't know what you do, but like, that's that is a problem that is just as much of a problem today as it was last year. All right, we should get out of here on this marathon off-season podcast. Should be yeah, could be an eventful week. Could also zero things could happen this week also. So, uh Andrew, um thank you for filling in for Sam Amick, who I believe next time we do a tampering, which I don't even know when it'll be, but I believe Sam Amick will be back. Yeah. So, a couple weeks. Yeah, I filled in the Kings talk with Thunder talk is the is the big difference here. I enjoyed us devolving into a thunder conversation for about 10 minutes. There will be more thunder talk, I would assume, in the years ahead. We'll see. We'll see. Hopefully so. All right. We will talk to you all soon. Hey, baseball fans. This is Derek Van Riper. Now that spring training games are underway, opening day is just a few weeks away. Eno Saris and I have been getting ready for the season all winter on Rates and Barrels. Whether you're a seasoned fantasy player, a baseball stats junkie, or just someone who wants to learn more about the game, join us for four episodes each week this season, including our new Friday live stream with former big leaguer Trevor May. Check out the live stream on Fridays at 1 o'clock Eastern on the Rates and Barrels YouTube channel, or listen to the show wherever you enjoy your podcasts, including the ad-free option on the Athletic app.